0: Hello and good evening and welcome to another episode of Religions, Regimes and Refugees and a Multicultural Mess. Thank you very much for joining me today. Uh, I hope you had a great uh, day yesterday. I um, did not post anything yesterday because I was very busy. I do apologize. And um, I tried a little something. It did not work. But um, so I'm back today. Uh, We were on the topic of Islam. And the history of Islam, and um, we have been uh, going to the basics, the geography and the geology of the Levant, how Islam started in Mecca, the Quraysh tribe, the clans of Muhammad, his descend, his ancestors. Um, We also talked about. A little bit of the earth of the volcanic eruption in that in that uh, time five thirty six eighty very important history um, an event because it changed the economics of the region uh, how it brought the economics to the to standstill including that of Europe um, Asia um, and also uh, uh, Latin America. Uh, we also talked about how Christianity changed the customs of the region, and so the the, the requirements of, of their customs of the locals of this land change, thereby changing the economics on the ground. So the moment you change the economics on the ground, all of a sudden, um, there's an economic uh, recession, and... Uh, goods and services that were sold pre- previously are now not being sold anymore. So the logistics of the caravan train would have to change and that caused a ruffle in, in the desert. Then came the 536 AD earthquake um, and that caused a ruffle. And right, so during this time, people are going to be looking for food and shelter and, and, and medicines and trying to survive in a pandemic. And in that uh, pan- in that economic recession was born islam and that's why you had so many people at the bottom of the ladder trying to loot trying to raid trying to uh, kill trying to kidnap something that we do even today it hasn't changed because the moment you have an economic uh, um, void people have to eat how they're going to eat they're going to they're going to um they're going to uh, kill they're going to Charge for ransom. Uh, they're going to do a whole lot of activity to uh, make sure that they have food on the table. At the end of the day, it's about economics. Um, and so, basically, we talked about Muhammad uh, a little bit. How his name is not his name actually comes um, from from uh, the word Muhammad. A prefix mu, M U, and the. In Arabic, signifies the one who, and then you have Hamad, which means the one who is worthy of praises. Um, we're going to look at the Muhammad in the Quran, and we'll take it from there for this chapter. So, here comes the well-known shaka. The name or proper noun of Muhammad is never mentioned in the Quran at all. Here are four mentions of the closest Quranic word, uh, close the closest the Quran gets in um, using the concept of Muhammad. So, you have... Uh, Surah 3, uh, verse 144, Muhammad is only a messenger. In Arabic, it's Muhammadun Illa Rasulun kad kalat Min kabluhi. So wama Muhammadun. You see, there's no Muhammad here, this Muhammadun. Surah 33, chapter uh, verse 40. Muhammad is not the father of any of your men, but he is the messenger of Allah. So, in Arabic, ma kana muhammadun aba ahid hadin min rijakilum balakin. So, ma kana muhammadun. Again, it's muhammadun. It's an adjective. It's not a word. a proper noun. I apologize. My Arabic is horrible because I, I don't speak Arabic. I'm just reading from a translation. So, Surah 47, chapter verse 2. But those who believe the word, the work, Deeds of righteousness and believe in the revelation sent down to Muhammad. Um, in Arabic. Walatina amanuva amilu asaliti wamanu bismullah Allah Muhammadin. Again, it's Muhammadin in Arabic. And the last one is f- chapter 48, verse 29. Muhammad is the messenger of Allah, and those who are with him um, are strong against unbelievers but compassionate amongst each other. Muhammadun Rasul Allahi Walatima Ashu Asidau. So, Muhammadun Rasul Allahi. The word here is Muhammadun. The previous one was Muhammadin. The previous two were Muhammadun and Muhammadun. So you see, there is no Muhammad in the Quran. It's all Muhammadun and Muhammadin. Um, and Muhammad is not used as a proper noun in any of these four verses. All these four verses uses the word Muhammad as an adjective. Muhammadun, Muhammadun, Muhammadin, Muhammadun. If this was a proper noun, we would have seen the word Muhammad. Allah says that the Quran is Mubeen, that is clear. Allah would not make the mistake of using an adjective of praiseworthy in the place of proper noun. Thus the word Muhammad is used as an adjective as someone who is praiseworthy and not a proper noun of a person. So what is the real name of the person behind the adjective Muhammad? Is it just a pet name, a title, a nickname? That which is institutionalized? Now we understand why Islamic world is on a crusade to point fingers at others for Islamophobia. Well, the phobia is actually what belongs to them. It's if their congregations really start reading the Quran and dissect the words used, they would realize that the Prophet Muhammad is not mentioned in the Quran at all, but in literature that appears 100 to 200 years later. For the purpose of this book, I have used the word Muhammad to facilitate an understanding of Islamic history. Now, the five we're going to go to something important here, very important. Take down notes if you have to. 536 AD volcanic eruption and the birth of Islam. A cataclysm which I keep coming back to. Very important event. The 536 AD volcanic eruption that the researchers have still not been able to pinpoint its exact location. The volcanic winter it produced left a botanical mark on tree rings, besides the collapse of multiple empires at its time. By this time, the religions of Judaism and Christianity were all on its way in the Middle East. The original exodus from Egypt and traditions that became laws to overcome a pandemic were by then institutionalized. Why do I mean this event? What, Why do I mention this event? Well, it's a catalyst for changes to come. Remember, this time, 536 AD. Again, darkness fell, and a new era of dark ages commenced all over the world. In Europe, the debt toll by some accounts reached 50 million people. Just like the COVID-19 crisis, Europe, where where every merchant passed, true for trade and commerce, became the epicenter of the problem. The cold weather did not help in dissolving the disease. What do you think went on to the minds of the people living around the Levant? They are the one. They are the middle ground for the three continents: Africa, Europe, and Asia. Everyone has to pass through the Levant. Commerce would have come to a near standstill, especially with Europe being the center of the pandemic. They still had to survive. The only people who would have had the knowledge and historical memory of the last massive cataclysm. Um, along with survival tactics were the descendants of the Israelites who survived the Sinai Desert. Um, a little less than 100 years later, after 536 AD, it came in handy. By that time, in around 622, the people of the book, that's the five books of Moses, and some of the Hebrew tribes were located around Yatrib now Medina. The pandemic that encompassed everyone would have created havoc. Israeli Islamic Israeli sorry Islamic historical sources say that the Arabs of all backgrounds were bar- bearing infants alive. Islam says this was around the time 610 their prophet received the revelation from God in the context of the pandemic where the locals had no way of surviving, no medical assistance, no food, no possibility of commerce due to fear of transmitting or contracting the plague, they were in a dire situation. If any child from the tribe or clan contacted the virus, their only option would be to kill the child to save the rest of the tribe. Infanticide was a way of uh, overcoming the pandemic to prevent Transmission. Either that or they would have to abandon the child in the desert. While I'm not agreeing with their actions, it has to be taken into context of the pandemic that occurred during this time. Just thinking of those times gives me goosebumps. Also, you know, at Yatrib, or Medina, where Prophet Muhammad went from Mecca to Medina, there were four types of groups there, and I'm going to give you all four. The descendants of the northern Israelite Yehud tribes led by the priestly class of the um, people of the books. The people of the book considered themselves lobbyists for God, and that God had sent them down the true recipe to overcome the disaster in the desert. So everyone had to submit to their group, self-isolate as per the rules, and let their rabbis call the shots. If not, they would be hunted away. Um... Or in terms of Torah law, distance themselves from people of other books or other tribes. So that's one group, the Israelite group, the descendants of the Israelites. The second one was Umar, being uh, from the Umayyad clan of the Quraysh tribe. He, became, he came from a very violent background. He had no knowledge of transitioning, uh, of knowing what to do in a pandemic situation all he would do was take his un- he could do was take his unemployed youth and raid caravans that came along the looting of wealthy people of the oasis uh, but he knew that he risked getting infected of with any virus that traumatized the region um, his life and the life of his tribe and descendants were on on the line with no solution he um, he allied with a group who had to experience who had who had experience in this domain. The people of the book. Omar, he knew that the unemployed Arabs had to travel outward from Mecca For food and trade. If not, they would die. However, the pandemic would have killed them too. Um, so, like I said, Omar knew that he and his unemployed Arabs... Sorry, about that. <coughs> had to travel outwards from Mecca for food and trade to avoid debt. However, the pandemic would have killed all of them, and if they allied with the people of the book, at least then the Israelites would give, share their remedy for God and self-isolation to the Arabs of the Sinai, uh, of the of the Levin, of Mecca and Medina, without which they were looking at extension. So that was the second group, Umar and his band of unemployed youth. The third are the Ansar, the original inhabitants of Medina, who helped uh, Muhammad, um, Muhammad, um, and was made up of the Banu Khazraj and the Banu Aus. The fourth group was the Sahabas, the camp companions of the go- of them of Muhammad, uh, who uh, on one hand um, was a was a merchant. He would not have had. He would not, in this faction of three former groups, he would have never got along with the people of the book. Nobody have any love for them in any case. Um, so those are the... Basically, those are the uh, basic people in Medina. So when Prophet Muhammad goes from Mecca to Medina, those are the people he meets. So the people of the book, Umar and his followers, would have despised Muhammad. As he was rising in life and lives... Of the entire tribes of the region, which, with a possible transmission and epidemic of its time. For them, in isolation was the only solution. Isolation where the unemployed Arabs would have had to submit to the Bet Deen of the Al-Ilahi, al- ila- who could then share their historical solution, now institutionalized as the fate of God. Muhammad was doing the same thing as Jesus, using the same signs and the knowledge of the ancients. Umar, whose mother was from the same tribe as Muhammad, but from another clan, would have had the um, Israelites um, and knowledge and experience in this regard. So forming an alliance with them would have been an easy solution. Uh, Islam became a submission to the house of Beddin uh, or Allah, or El-Ilahi. A god who was going to help them self isolate during a difficult pandemic and save the Quraysh tribe. In return, Umar would provide his unemployed youth, um, unemployed men turned warriors, as, as an army for the people of the book to get back into the temple. Um, so while Umar and his unemployed Bedouins were raiding, Muhammad was healing the sick when the when umayyad clan was stealing and plundering muhammad was helping weak people who did not know about um who didn't really know much um there were slaves um muhammad was offering bedouin tribes among Sorry, we had a little technical problem. I apologize for that. Um, So we'll just go back to where we were. While Umar and his gang of unemployed Bedouins were raiding, Muhammad was healing the uh, the sick. While Umayyad clan was stealing and plundering, Muhammad was helping the weak, who could not help themselves. While the Umayyad and the people of the book were taking slaves, Muhammad was offering the Bedouin tribes his support and knowledge that they may continue their journey in life and rise above the status quo. He was giving them the knowledge of the commerce so that they could earn a living while staying safe, something that we we would not have gone down very well with others. The Israelite tribes believed that their experience and their knowledge of pandemics and isolation was on their side, meaning they had it all. They would have wanted Muhammad to stay still, self-isolate, and not travel from one place to the other. Look at all the economists in the business world today. They are itching to get back on their feet. They want self-isolation to the minimum. They know it's a delicate balance, but if they don't do anything, risk there is the possibility of destroying their whole countries, to all their countries as a whole. That would have been Mohammed. as a businessman, he had knowledge and experience and the capacity to balance, that, to have that balance contrary to his opponents the people of the book wanted to self-isolate as well as control what every trade whatever every trade around them. So now we have Umar. he would have been interested in Jerusalem, but Petra um, not Jerusalem but Petra Petra was the center of trade where tribes gathered from far and wide, taking back Petra. Would have been akin to taking back New York, London, Paris, and Metro and Cairo. And all all at the same time. He had to go along with his Hebrew alliance in order to get their name of purity and their laws from Hashem for cleanliness in the time of pandemics. Umar would also have got rid of Muhammad and his family in return for their new friends. It was an alliance of it was this alliance of Umar and the people of the book that created Islam not muhammad so we see it doesn't ring a bell all the historical sources that say muhammad this this and muhammad this did that it's absolute falsehood um you have more proof that umar was the one raiding the caravans and umar was the one doing all the nasty work um but they they didn't use his name they used the name muhammad so they all over the place. Historical sources say it was Muhammad was raising, right, raising the caravans. Muhammad was uh, um, was taking the slaves. Muhammad ha- was going into war, but it couldn't have been because it's your currents that form the waves. So if it birth you at during your childhood, your adolescence, you haven't killed anyone, you haven't raided anyone. All of a sudden, the violence, violence is not going to come out of nowhere. But in your childhood, if you were um, violent, it will continue in your adulthood. And that was Omar. Um, So let's go to some concepts in in the Quran. Uh, The first concept is the Qibla, the direction which Muslims pray, that is the Kaaba and Mecca. On the 11th of Feb, uh, 624 AD, Allah instructs Muhammad to change the direction of Qibla um, from Jerusalem to Mecca, as the Jews refuse to convert to Islam, the real religion of God. Chapter 2, verses 144 to 149. The real reason for the change of the direction of the prayer is different, however, in my opinion. The Islamic story is completely out of sequence. There is no such concept of Jews during the time of Muhammad. Neither is the name Muhammad mentioned. The concept of Jews only comes from the 12th and 13th centuries. The name Muhammad was added by later caliphates. So the concept of conversion is modern. In in the days of the ancients, they just formed a geopolitical alliance, which, while each side kept their customs to remain in the power circle, over time they intermarried, formed an, a Matisse class, where the children of the marriage would have, would have taken over the lineage of the father and mother, as enduring the patriarchal civilization. Eventually, whoever remained in power would win over the bulk of the tribes to his side. Again, depending on how much of titles, land, and money the person who converted received. So what are they talking about? To backtrack a little bit, will go to Solomon's kingdom from Israel. So when Solomon king Solomon's kingdom broke up, um, the Israelite tribes were divided into two major kingdoms. One was the Yehud, two tribes which is the southern part, and one was the northern Israelite with tri- Israel with 10 tribes. The temple ended up in Judah and Yehud. So when the kingdom of Israel broke uh, into two, it was fine, but the main center of attraction, the kingdom of Yehud, the temple of, of Israel the temple mount that we see today went into Yehud this temple was an ATM machine for power and money of the establishment basically Yehud got the temple mount and all the golden riches and the schism never healed they also knew that the Yehud had branched off and was reborn as the kingdom of Judea and later on the the Roman province of Judea, her, dis- her descendants from Judea formed the Jesus Mes- Messianic movement, which later on became Christianity. The powerhouse of the region, they owned the city of Jerusalem and Solomon's Temple with the Byzantine with the Byzantines. This did not sit well with the people of the book and their descendants, and many tribes spread around the Arabias. Thus Christians and the remaining tribes that formed the kingdom of Yehud were seen as traitors and infidels. Because uh, Yehud, because the the Christians were actually Hebrews, and they were at one point Yehud, from the kingdom of Yehud. um, And they had split off with the main kingdom of Israel and broken into two. Hence, they call called traitors and infidels. And from this concept, you get the concept of Kufar. They were determined to get the Temple Mount back ever since. They more or less disappeared from history, the people of the book, um, until Islam was born, or did they really just assimilate into another lab- label? On the other hand, the Israelite orthodoxy pushed into the, uh, pushed into the northern kingdom during after Solomon, um, were later freed by the Persians, and their descendants went on to become the people of the book. So the people of the book are actually the Orthodoxy people, descendants of the northern tribes of Israel, and their Orthodoxy. Uh, That's the people of the book. Uh, The people of the book mentioned in the Quran are a priestly class, descended from the northern ten tribes, who were enslaved by the Babylonians. They believed that they were the only true people of, of the book, that is the first five books of Moses that which was the one true word of God. Only they had the right to the temple of Jerusalem. They would never be able to look at any other book in history of mankind, better or valid, other than the five books of Moses. They absolutely despised the Samaritans, the philistine team, the Yehud, or anyone who broke away and who refused to submit to them. While their multiple hybrid kingdoms and multiple factions came crashing down, the last one was in 135 AD. So if the people of the book and their descendants were to take back Solomon's temple, they too needed to ally with another tribe, clan or feudal group. Remember the people of the book are an ideological group, not a military group. The opportunity presented itself at Yathrib, later on Medina. The Hebrew tribes in Yathrib were in constant conflict with each other the reason being one of the cast of one cast of hebrews that is the people of the book wanted to hold power in their hands to the detriment of others every hebrew faction had to submit and obey only to the people of the book and only and their only other goal was to take back the temple mount their free ticket to paradise they would have been the ones who controlled the beddin and the oasis of Yatrib this is the group that would have allied with with the umar and with umar and the raiders of the meccans in the battle of the trench 627 ad those Hebrews that did not ally with the Umar's immigrants and people of the book would have been killed, that is approximately 700 of them, uh, and made the rest of them second-class citizens or demis. Uh, the alliance was formed on the basis of supporting each other's power and interests. Umar's immigrants wanted to acquire and land control, such as possible con- uh, such as possible for control of trade and commerce. The people of the book wanted only to control Jerusalem and the Temple Mount. Their alliance was a mutual hunger for power, camouflaged by divine intervention or their ignorant belief in it. The people of the book had the ideology needed to convince the Arab Bedouins that they were directly chosen from God. And the Ishmaelites or um, the, Umar, the Umayyad had the military power They would have been willing to split the territory as long as they supported each other. So why is this importance uh, given to the people of the book at this junction? There's nothing about the people of the book being killed or subjugated in the Quran. On the contrary, the people of the book are glorified. If Muhammad really did not like them, he would not have glorified them um, so much, but chastised them in the Yehud like the Yehud. Remember, anywhere in the world you go, if you want to understand the government or the geopolitical power structure at the top, all you need to do is to understand the literature used in the academia and the media below. It, it tells the whole story of this, and the story of the alliances they formed to, make, to maintain power. So if the people of the book glorified um, 31 times if the people of the book are glorified 31 times and Muhammad never mentioned, um, it means that the people of the book are the ones who wrote or dictated the earlier Musafs of the Quran in their favor. So the Quran is considered a Musaf. How we will explain it later. Uh, but if they are glorified 31 times in the Quran and Muhammad's never mentioned, it means that the people of the book wrote or dictated the Quran. Remember, they had an ideology, and the non—that um, f- was followed by non-Hebrew Arabs. They couldn't care less about Mecca, which is also the reason why Mecca is only mentioned once in the Quran, chapter forty-eight, verse twenty-four. But Baqa gets noted, which is Zion, the Arab parati- in the region of Arab Arabia Peritrea. Islam likes to say it was the ancient name of Makaroba, as mentioned by Palotmi. Then why not in the Quran? So all the people of the book wanted to do was actually get back to the Temple Mount and rebuild the kingdom of the Temple of Solomon. Ishmaelia was uh, submitted to the deen. Uh, uh, Islamiyah was was submitting to the deen, that is the Bet deen, of El-Ilahi. Later on, transformed to Alilahi and then Allah. So Elilahi comes from the Hebrews and, and the uh, nomads before them, and so does Betdin comes from the he- from the Hebrews. So um, it's not a coincidence. Um, alliance with Omar to overcome the Christians and the Yehud was the only way out for the people of the book. Omar's violent movement was aware that the Israelites knew the region of Petra Eritrea. Eritrea sorry arabia Petria, well besides needing the hebrew name for legitimacy and purity as well as the knowledge of to navigate this area would be a big problem sorry during a big pandemic the hebrews would offer them their knowledge of the water holes and springs around jerusalem especially the water source around Jerusalem, the Gihon Springs. In my opinion, therefore, there was never any change in the Qibla or Mecca if the people of the book formed part of that alliance and if they were going to share their ideology. The Israelites cared about only one thing, the people of the of the Temple Mount and the, the power it bought them for the eventual journey to paradise. It was the reverse, actually. The ayah to turn the house of God in towards the Temple Mount, or um, not Mecca, uh, according to the Talmud, uh, it says G- Jews outside Israel would face the Holy Land, and when praying, those in Israel would face Jerusalem. Those in Jerusalem would face the Temple Mount, and those on the Temple Mount would face the Holy of Holies. So you see, it's um, the P- Mecca. Uh, Muhammad's not there. Um, the people of the book are wrongly translated. They're actually descendants of Israelites. Uh, they pretty the the founder pretty much gets well very long with my ex-spouse. So we're going to go quickly into so- a topic that will need your attention, um, since we're in the topic of. I think we have enough time today to do it. The Constitution of Medina. So I'll, I'll translate it. I'll I'll go into it briefly and then we'll talk about it much more later in another episode. The Constitution of Medina was from 622 AD, which most people believe is dictated by Allah to Muhammad and written on his behalf, tells the whole story perf- perfectly. The term Constitution was only used in 1956, but its earliest commentary states that the document as being the Kitab, that means in in Islamic sources, the word uses Kitab, uh, it doesn't say the constitution. Uh, So the Kitab or the agreement of Medina between the um, shows the agreement of Medina between Muminun, Muminin and the Muhajirin. So Muminin is the believers, Muhajirin Muhajirun, immigrants of the Quraysh tribe um, on, from Mecca. Um, and lastly, the inhabitants of, of Yatrib to form Fort, uh, uh, Umma Ummah Wahida. One Arabic kind of commentary by this 8th century historian Abu Bayad Al-Qasim Ibn Salam reads, To the Yehud, their court, and the believers, their court. The translation is not completely accepted by all. However, someone however notice the word above used for Jews, Yehudi, which means that the descendants of Yehud or Judah, not Jews. Um, so the Hebrew tribes that signed the agreement known as are known as Yahud they were the enemies of the people of the book why are the people of the book's not going to un- not mention in the document as the quran the mu'minun also believers or believers also those controlling the deen that is the people of the book <laughs> this means that they were the ones writing the document um because the ones asking the Yehud and the migrants of mecca to submit their book remember there was no quran no Hadith, no Sunnah, no Seerah, no tafsir, no Fiqh written down at that time. So what book and what what were they referring to? The people of the book are the first five books of Moses. So the book of agreement are the five books of Moses or the Torah. That is, they were the people of the book. The real Dean was the bed Dean or the coat of the people of the book who controlled the races. Um So, the Constitution of Medina, to wrap it up, it's not really a constitution. The the word constitution comes in 1956. And so they can call it the Constitution of Medina. It's in Islamic circles. It's called a book. Just a book. Kitab. So what is uh, the Kitab? It's the first five books of Moses. um, I'm presuming. Um, And... We haven't got... Any other news? So we're all seeing and waiting to see, just like the others. So we we'll go back to uh, the people of the book, the Constitution of Mecca. By insisting on their agreement to the book, the Javaf, the inner part of Yatrib, would become sacred or haram, that's free from impurities, like zones during the COVID nineteen pandemic. Only those who were treated um, were allowed to go into space. This perhaps this place is banned or or prohibited Tahrim those who did not sign the treaty Uh, those tribes that did not submit to sign the kitab were Banu Nadir Banu Kareza, and Banu Qoyim sorry I apologize I'm not wrongly pronouncing that name it's Q-A-Y-N-U-Q-Q sorry Q-A the real word used in this verse is Al-Masjidi al Harami, or the Masjid Al-Haram where is the Masjid al-Haram? Why, why did they not um, So why did they not just use the word makam makaruba? There were many Masjid al- Harams in Arabia. Haram means forbidden. So if it was forbidden by generations of tribes in Arabia to fight in the ground, Uh, fight in and around the area that was the particular masjid. Again, masjid just means gathering place. However, if the people of the book allied with Umar and the Muhajirun at Medina for geopolitical power, uh, then the Hebrew ideology became the ideology they know today as the Quran or part of it. Uh, This is why in the fifth chapter you find the the word, the phrase, this day I've perfected your book and completed your religion. Thus, in terminating their translation of five books of Moses to the new Ummah Wahidah, one nation, everyone had had to submit to them and their cousins in the bed So I'll take your leave for now. I thank you for your time. We talked about some small topics, but they're important, very important, like the Qibla, the Constitution, very important. So I hope you've taken our notes and you can discuss it with your friends. Thank you very much and I'll see you tomorrow.